of uh, We're Not Wizards. My name's, uh, my name's Richard and uh, I'll be your host for this evening. And uh, joining me this evening um, on this episode, which is going to be called uh, Staying In, Making Tea, Not Eating Crisps, <laughs> and loving little dice <laughs> is uh, is a gentleman by the name of uh, Sam Turner. So, hi Sam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks, Richard. Um, thanks for having uh, me on. I'm I'm very very pleased to have you on. Why are we um, not eating crisps? Um, because I've just had my dinner and oh. I'm on a health I'm on a health kick at the moment. And um, <laughs> no, we've <clears> been. <throat> Um, I've been carrying. I've been claiming that I've been carrying holiday weight now for about a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I know the feeling. It was some of a, a holiday and a half, so I decided right. Um, I did get. I did finish most of those prawn cocktail crisps, though. Did you? Did you? <laughs> oh, oh, what did you get? You got these. Is it Seabrook? Seabrook yeah. crisps. Well, the Seabrook ones are automatically gluten free because I've got. Um, I've got my wheat intolerance. So okay. They've got the gluten free marking on the packet. Which means I can eat them anyway. Oh, buying is... buying crisps must be such a <laughs> such a sort of Sophie's choice for you. It's no cheese and onion. Okay, um, that's not too issue. bad. Beef yeah. is an issue. Salt and vinegar can be an issue. Mm. Um, what's its um, skips can also be an issue because they all say that well, we could be made in a factory that contains wheat. Is this? Is this? Um, I don't want to pry too much into your. Health yeah, life. No, let's, let's, is this here because I don't think I've talked about this. Yeah. Do you know what? We're on episode kind of thirteen, so this is the point. If we were doing like a sci-fi sitcom type thing, this would be the point where you would do like an origins episode. So oh yeah, to okay. Find out how things kind of happen. So yeah, let's touch on the ask away. <laughs> so is this is this uh, is this intolerance? Is this, is this something you've had till birth? Had since birth? No. Okay, so de- developed about fifteen years ago. So what? So is there a flavour of crisp or anything else for that matter that you you can't have now that you loved? That you know um, you look at in the shelves and you just think, oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll take one day of feeling or take knick-knacks. or a week knickknacks. Oh, nice and spicy or nice both the both. lemon and scampi, and they also had the spare rib flavour. I can't touch any of them. You know, I've always said if they came out with a cure for what I had. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be going to the bank. I'd be going to the Mister Bank Manager. I shall have a three thousand pound overdraft, please. I shall be taking it in cash, and then what I'll do is I'm going to head into the nearest kind of Greg's, wherever Baines Bakery of your choice, and I shall be lining up that money on the counter, and I shall say, "Keep it going with the donuts and the pastries until I pass out, please, good sir or madam, as the case may be." That would be fantastic. Yeah, it's it, like fudge donuts. You don't actually learn to appreciate a fudge donut until you haven't been able to eat a fudge donut for years. Oh wow, that must be. It must. I can't. I can't imagine what it would be like. Because to it's bread. To, yeah. You walk up the bread aisle and you realise that that kind of thing could hurt you. Yeah, you think you think no one's ever thought that way about bread, but no. now you're giving me a new perspective. Yeah, it's just a way of doing life. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, let's. I mean, um, let's dial it back. You are a, a member of the the team, or the the. the, the it seems to be a, a, a myriad of a, a rotating staying, the door st- of of hosts yes. and co-hosts that are in sta- the staying in podcast. Yes, I am. 
which which um, is a delight to the ears and as, as, as the logo suggests it's a lovely cup of tea that you tuck into mm. with little gentle <laughs> sips and I like it and I like it a thanks, lot thanks very much I, yes now um, we are here to have a, ch- a little chat about board games as well as autoimmune diseases <laughs> <laughs> what's your favourite? what's your favourite autoimmune disease? <laughs> oh I like lupus um <laughs> The reason that we do this, um, as we say always, is there's there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there about board no. games. There is. And the other thing is there's also simply not enough podcasts with just two people talking. I'm really upset about this. So, cause, why? Because I, I listened to your show and uh-huh. and I thought, okay, yeah, okay, you're only two people. And originally you'd asked myself and Chris, or at least... Chris, who is another one of the revolving hosts on the Staying a yes. Podcast, to come on, and originally he said yes. So I thought, oh, this is going to be brilliant because you're going to you're going to do you can do the intro and say that it's only uh-huh. for two people and go, ha ha. Well, I've brought someone else with me, um, yeah. but Chris forgot that he was meant to be in Munich right now. Yeah, conveniently. So yeah, so you see that you can't break no. the rule. No, 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 you can't. Though we we did we did break the rule the other day. No. There is a pod. There is a podcast coming up that's got three people on it. What? <laughs> it's out there. Yes, it's out there. Well, it's been edited, but um, yeah, it's going to be out there soon, and it's going to have three people on it. So uh, yeah, world minds will be blown. It will when that episode hits. <laughs> that's going to be hitting soon because people are going to go. He's just broken his entire <laughs> motto. And it's not a motto. It's just an observation. So, um, <laughs> Borg. Um, Board well, board games, card games. Um, the you talk a lot. You talk a lot on the podcast um, on staying in about um, games that you play. Yeah. And and one of the things you recently mentioned was you mentioned uh, you mentioned Dice Masters, oh, no. um, which you had a, a good discussion yeah. about. Now um, we have a part of the a part of the show called um, what we got to the table. But before we dive into the little six-sided addiction games, <laughs> which, is, which is Dice Masters. Um, have you always been kind of interested in the hobby? I mean, how did you get involved in, you know, games? You mentioned magic as well. You're quite a big magic player as yeah. well, if I'm, if I'm correct. So how did you get involved in the well, hobby? Well, for me, like the hobby's only, I've only been, and this will just highlight how serious my problems are with the, you know, Dice Masters and magic, because I've only been playing like sort of, serious board games i don't know how i don't know what the collective term is it for is but only for about 18 months um it's not wrong no though. um before before then um i was really only would play games that my grandma would have in a cupboard in her house and so when me and my brother went there and my mum went off to work like my grandma would just like mm-hmm. you know give us the key to this cupboard and we'd open it up and just we'd just play what's ever inside and there was uh, Mikado which is uh, right. which I only just found out the other day that I'd, that me and my brother had actually been playing it wrong for several years um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, and um, Scrooble Scramble well which is a classic, which is a classic. in its own right and it's been imitated many times now, but there is only one original. There is. Um, uh, Mousetrap. Um, and uh, Upwards, which 
along right. with Mikado, we never played correctly, uh-huh. but knowingly so. We just used the, I don't know if you're familiar with that word, it's like Scrabble, but 3D. Um, oh, you right. can, okay. no. but instead of just placing words horizontally, you can uh-huh. also place them vertically, so you can change a word by putting another letter on top of the word. By putting a yeah. tail on top. But we just like, Oh, used right. to build like upwards type type like villages and forts using the counters um <laughs> never for any sort of linguist linguistic um no, use for no benefit um, but then that was and that was kind of it and since then i've been kind of more obsessed with video games um and that's been my association with all gaming until about 18 months ago when for my 29th birthday, I got a copy of um, Settlers of Catan. Oh, yeah. And um, it was me and about eight other friends. And we were just about to go out for my birthday. We were just about to go out bowling. And we mm. just thought, because I had no idea what Catan was. or I, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> when, you, when, you're, when you're getting into this side of things, I think you think... It's a dice and it's counters and it's a flat board. Yeah. And it's it is like Neo in the Matrix kind of, you know, why do my eyes hurt? <laughs> because you've never used them before. Exactly. And we, we What is this board game uh, stuff? Because you've never played them before, really. No, like it wasn't um you know, it wasn't a game that sort of was testing any sort of linguistic skills like upwards. It wasn't you know, nothing to do with dexterity, like Coplunk or anything like that. It was, you know, it was almost like this whole new experience. And like we we sat down and played it. And we had to like leave in an hour, and only one of us had played it before. And it was yeah. my girlfriend's brother who gave me the game as like his. It was his game that he'd played like every day at university for three years, and he gave it to me. And we had the five to seven player expansion, so there were seven of us, and he was like the bank and the curator almost like the dm of this horrible little Catan yeah. project that he set up and <laughs> the <Catan> project. and <laughs> so it's like a 1970s <laughs> um starring michael kane yeah. in the Catan project i know he'll, he'll be the thief yes a very young kevin Spacey. yeah as is his first his first acting role <laughs> as the newspaper boy. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going over here. Have Have you got the wood? Um, <laughs> I, I don't like her at all. She's a bit of a pain. Come here. What are you doing, newspaper boy? I'm just going to go and get some more papers. Uh, yeah, the Catan Project is uh, the lost, the lost Kane film. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you just did it just after Zulu because you were short of the money. <laughs> um, and um, we we played it. I don't think we even finished the game, and I think that maybe is what caught caught me was the fact that we were having this great time, and you know there was eight of us around this tiny table. Like I, I've only got a dining room table that seats four, and we were all kind of huddled around this one board and. Oh, it's fan! When you play Catan for the first time, it's fantastic, isn't it? Like it, it is mm. genuinely like one of those. So, right, I've got cards in my hand. That's fine. I can see the board. That's yes. fine. And then the yes. more you play it, you slowly. But hang on, there's numbers. There's numbers, there. and there's bartering, and there's interactions, and there's you know different things I can do, and strategies, and and 
ways you can play and and for me it's that that idea of taking on a role of inhabiting a kind of way of thinking that's the most interesting thing about playing board games and from then on i've just been well the my bank balance wasn't you know thankful to me from then on because i was i from then on i kind of picked up about three or four of i don't know what you call the staples i don't want to talk about heavy sort of gluten diet to you but you know if it was if it was a gluten-based diet of board games which i've now become slightly intolerant to um (laughs) (laughs) straight out and i went straight out and bought smash up um Smash up's good. Uh, Ultimate Werewolf. Um, that is very Munchkin good. and Pandemic. Munchkin, I'm not sure about. No? I'm not sure about Munchkin. Pandemic, um, Pandemic. we as a wizards, not being a wizards at all, kind of aren't sure about Pandemic. And we were going to do an episode on Pandemic and we sat there and went, do you like Pandemic? And I says, well, <laughs> mm, I don't know. And then Colin says, I'm not sure about Pandemic either. And I, the first, interestingly, the first board game I ever played with my kids was Pandemic. And they loved it. Yeah. Because usually in a board game, you never lose. A kid's board games, I mean, kid's board games are so sanitized now. Yeah. Like the the kid's version of Monopoly is kind of like, oh, everybody has a party at the end and smiles. Really? It's it's just totally kind of taking away the competitiveness. So I put, you know, pandemic on the table and the kids were um they must have been about maybe 10 and 8 at the time and i was like what are we going to do dad we're going to play a board game so they put it down there and we played about it and i said so you do this and then oh no look there's a there's a, an infection taking place so there's an outbreak okay what happens now nothing you're dead wow yeah and they were like but but board games are about there's a winner and it's like not in this game and that really messed with her mind because I never quarterbacked Pandemic because there's a tendency for people who have played it before to go right no you go to Beijing and then you go here and then you go to London and I'll go to Atlanta and stuff like that and they were just like what we lost I was like yeah because you know we've got all these cubes going everywhere and there's been outbreak after outbreak and we've not cured anything so you know it's it's everything's just gone it's, it's you know we've we've died can we play it again <laughs> <laughs> well that was that's exactly you know this isn't a comment on the people that i hang out with but that's exactly what happened when we first played mm-hmm. pandemic but we realized after about two or three weeks of trying to beat the game on the easiest setting and not being able to complete it yeah. i suddenly twigged that i read the rules wrong um, so we were essentially playing what we then called Samdemic. Um, mm. <laughs> so the the ruling that we that we got wrong was, you know, you've got the three um, cubes on a city, yeah, and it's when you add a fourth one, yeah, that it it's, outbreaks. It spreads to the yeah, you get a break to the the, the next surrounding to the next one, the next one, yeah. I read that wrong, and we were playing it every time a third cube was added. It outbroke. That's a lot of difference. Which That's a big difference. Which makes a game almost impossible to play. But it's <laughs> but but I say almost with a caveat because it gives you just enough leeway to make you think that you can beat it. 
So we were playing games that you'd either lose in two turns or you'd get right to the end and then yeah. everything would everything would fall down. So to, so to us playing games, that was like this wonderful seesaw of emotions of, all oh, right, we, we screwed up there, right, we've lost, we've lost, right, to the next one, to the next one. Heads in the game, guys. Heads in the game. So how long did Sam Demick last? Weeks. That- <coughs> Weeks. And it's the only... When we played Sam Demick, it's the only mm. time, um, uh, like, when we played it with friends, and it's the only time that my girlfriend's turned to me and gone, "Can we, can we play Pandemic?" And like, just me and you, can we, can we do that? Can we try and beat it? Yeah. Because that feeling of being so close and not getting the win was kind of infectious. And then when I found out that I'd read the rule wrong. How did you break it to people that all oh, this well for the last couple of weeks? <laughs> did you leave like Gently. a written note, or did you? What did you do? Did you put a post-it note inside the folded board and then opened it up? So when they opened it up, they went, "Fred, the rules wrong," and then just left it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm really sorry. Um, the strange, the strange thing is, is that um, I kind of broke it at the start of my next playthrough, yeah. and. We kind of didn't really think much about it because we just thought, oh, well, yeah. yeah. No yeah. wonder we haven't been able to beat it, you idiot. Ha, ha, and, ha, ha, silly yeah. Sam. And so just carried on, carried on playing with the new rules. Ah. And then once you, once you know Pandemic, you can beat it every time, yeah. which is why it's quite symptomatic of quarterbacking. Like, yeah. I can sit down and play <laughs> Pandemic and I can beat it. I can... can, I can not control, that's the wrong word, but I can move everyone else around the board and beat it Yeah, easily. Once you know how to do it, you know how to do it. And Uh, so everyone was kind of like, can we play Sam Demick again? Yeah, because Sam Demick was more deadly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, you want to feel like you're actually fighting something, Um, which is why, like, we, we introduced, like, a house rule that you pick your characters at random so you never know who you're going to be, and I think we are actually going to go back to Sam Demick at some point. See, but, we picked up, when I played it with the kids, We I allowed them to pick what character they wanted because that was how they kind of understood the game. So, yeah. randomness. But we've, funnily enough, we've never played it really again. The kids have never kind of gone back and went, right, can we play this? Mm. Code names at the moment is the big one that we play yeah. all the time. But, um, so after Pandemic, was there anything else that you were... You're pl- well, playing it, obviously, you're talking about the, the past. So you built up that collection. Did that collection continue to grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It continued to grow quite exponentially within the few few months because I was kind of, um, that's kind of when I was in, ingesting as much, you know, new stuff because it was a whole new world to me. Like, I didn't yeah. know it existed. So oh. I went down, you know, all the usual avenues, uh, Will Wheaton's Tabletop, and um, mm. shut up and sit down and yeah. a few yeah. friends of mine had dabbled in the past um, so I was picking up things like Betrayal at the House on the Hill yeah, yeah. and um, I think I even got the Werewolf expansion because we all really loved that like that was that was great fun and the Resistance you know really like this, if, if someone asked me like they were getting into board games now these are exactly the same titles that I'd pass on to them yeah. and because I think they're just they're not only easy games to understand, but their themes and ideas are quite easy to understand. Like you can, it's easy to pretend that you're part that you're a spy hidden amongst a T 
team of resistance fighters. It's easy yeah. to pretend that you're fighting a disease. Yeah. Um, I mean, for those who aren't aware, werewolf, um, werewolf is like what you call it's like a, it's a kind of like a hidden game. It's like one of the people, one of the people is essentially like the, the the werewolf, and everybody else has got to kind of like guess. So it's fairly kind of simple type mm. mechanics, isn't it? And um, it's and it's and it's brilliant how quickly a group of friends can suddenly turn on each other. Yes. Um, when you play a werewolf, which is, which is which, compared to Resistance, because they're quite similar games, Resistance and Werewolf, and we always found that whereas Resistance is a lot more serious, it also leads it to be quite combative. So, yes. yeah. you know, you're, sh- you're, you're on your defensive a lot more and you sometimes find with Resistance that you... You're always kind of on the defensive rather than trying to like lead a charge, a positive outcome. But because in Werewolf you've got three cards in the center that no one knows what they are, mm-hmm. the chances that everyone in your group could be a good guy are a lot higher than they are in Resistance. So I think that's why we enjoyed it a lot more because we would, I think, not only is it more likely that people are telling the truth, but the conditions for winning are a lot lower as well you can like let a i can't remember the conditions for winning now it's something like if you can something like the, the villagers can survive the night if one werewolf or yeah. or something like that yeah. they don't have to find all the werewolves or i, I can't quite mm-hmm. remember but so it was really kind of me and a group of friends like discovering this whole thing together and it has been ever since like everyone who's on the staying in podcast has pretty much started like their board gaming life as it were exactly at the same time um yeah which is good yeah because this is the best i mean this is one of the i can't think of a better time where people can get into this hobby and the choice is just ridiculous it's too much. It is. <laughs> it is too much. Do you know what it's akin to? Go on. And dialing back to what we were talking about earlier on, when I first was diagnosed with having celiac disease, Tesco's had about two shelves of um, gluten-free products. Now, if you go into Tesco's, they've got basically ha- they've pretty much just half an aisle yeah. full of stuff. <laughs> you can get anything. There's tons. There's there's stuff you didn't even realise existed. Last week, now we're not affiliated with them, <laughs> but I picked up some. I picked up some McVitie's chocolate hobnobs, gluten-free ones. My word! Do you know what it was like? It was like it was like a Christmas of nineteen eighty-one, <laughs> opening up and realizing that I'd got a Millennium Falcon from Santa. That is incredible. Did Same, it did it taste how you remembered? I I didn't care. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell through the tears. <laughs> They're saltier than I remember. Oh, but you just hold, you just, you know, these are hobnobs and they still hold up to the dunk. So you can like that, I'm going to put you in and dunk them again and again and they still hold up and the chocolate's there. The chocolate's melting on my fingers. Um, tears of joy in my eyes. I'm munching down in this hobnob and, you know, I was thinking, think of this choice. And this is where we are. We are at the cho- we are at the gluten free chocolate hobnob stage of board games, yeah. where that that is that has come to light. And there's so much there's so much kind of choice and going to. Obviously, one of the things you've mentioned that you, you you're playing at the moment. I mean, dice masters. Oh, do you, do you really want to know about me and dice masters at the moment? I I think it's <laughs> I think it's time. I think the be- 
I think the best, um, and and I would ask, I would say to people just as a quick aside, go and check out the late, go and check out the latest episode of Staying In because it's it does talk about Dice Masters and um, it is hilarious. The WhatsApp message. <laughs> If you want to rook it, I think it's worth retelling. Uh, yeah, well, it was... Um, for What was the reason? That was it. I'd pre-ordered... Um, basically, I'd... Eldritch Moon was coming out of Magic. And again, Magic is only a recent thing in my life. And yes. um, it's something I only share with two other friends. And there's Peter as well. He's on the podcast, but he lives in Bristol, so we don't get to play that often. So it's two other friends who live in Manchester, where I live. And yeah. we we play a lot as often as we get together. So my interest in it kind of ebbs and flows depending on how often I'm with those friends. But yeah. we were, all of us were really excited for Eldritch Moon coming out. So I was getting ready for Eldritch Moon, pre-ordered a fat pack. I'd got myself an intro deck. But I also wanted to use one of the, I don't know how familiar you are with Eldritch Moon. Um uh, um, I'm not okay. Well, to be, I don't really know what the story is. Oh, is this the one with the reversible? Yes. Card? So meld. Oh yes, because I mentioned it on one of the recent episodes about them freaking everybody out by reduce, introducing these yeah. reversible cards and thus <laughs> destroying the entire magic sleeving industry. Oh yeah, it it did. Like I, I thought, oh brilliant, there's reversible cards, so I'll get myself some transparent card sleeves. Um, nah. Not realizing that, <laughs> hang on, but then people would know what I've got in my hand. Yeah. And as a side note, yeah. we, me and Pete, uh, did a magic draft at the weekend. And uh-huh. so it makes it like you're trying to draft a, a reversible card and not have your. <laughs> you just can't do it. Um, magic draft, that is when, for people that don't understand, is that when you're basically building up a deck? of cards that you've never used before yeah sometimes you kind of like get a you get like almost like a deck a blind deck that you have to open and then you build your deck from there yeah some competitions are run like it's a good it's a good um it's a good like level playing field because you're it was it was a little bit tricky for us because there's only two of us and i think they recommend at least four people doing a draft so you get a good but we just had three booster packs each and like I pick a card from my booster pack, he picks a card from his, and then we swap, and then we do that until all the cards are reduced, and then we kind of have to make a deck from the cards we've got left. Yeah. And it's it was interesting as a kind of experiment. It was I lost horribly. You lost. Yeah, did you? yeah. I didn't I didn't I've pay s- enough attention to my mana flow. Um <laughs> I don't know. I sense something different. It's like it's an advert on the TV. Do you have problems with your manifold? Well, with one simple patch. Um, one simple patch. You can, you can get some get reversible cards, and your manifold will be. Fine. You're just like that. What's going on? Um, but anyway, back to Eldritch Moon, and so they came up with these yeah. new meld cards, which are basically two different cards in your deck. Yeah reverse and they meld together to make one and one of them is oh. called a graph rat and the idea is it melds with uh, it melds with um grave diggers and they become like this mutant sort of resident evil 5-esque being or four depending on which cool. game you like previously and um i thought i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build a rat deck out of um 
these graph rats. So I built this deck, the majority of which are rat rats creatures. <laughs> Um, and uh, which is that's a beautiful thing about magic you know you have an idea I'll build a deck out of it and they've got this one I'll build a deck out of land (laughs) (laughs) Um, no no. someone probably has done that you You probably could There there are cards if there's a mechanic the magic probably made a card that will give so there's probably is a card somewhere that says if you have X amount of land you win the game or X amount of land and you will um, like there's there's a card there's there is a card I believe that changes the rules so you have to play a game of magic within the game of magic you're currently playing like Inception yeah so you could have layers of so you've got to abandon the game of magic you're playing start another one and there's there's other mad things like at a flip of a coin you win the match on heads your partner loses on tails like magic is really weird no, it's just quite quite weird. So you got the you get these cards there. So I was making cards. this rat deck and yeah. one of the mechanics of many rats is that they infect, which means that you're poisoning characters. So I thought, right, I'm gonna get myself some dice. Because if I'm gonna be poisoning folk, like well, I'm not pen and papering this. They want hard dice. Yeah. And I spent so about you can just spin them down when Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. Spinning down, that's great. And spinning down. That's when and you move a. That's when you move a dice from five down to four, spinning down. Some, something that wasn't actually explained in the dice master's rules. Um, so we're like yeah. spinning down. What does is that like a card move? Anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I spent about six pounds on dice that night, um, buying all sorts of stuff just to make sure I had enough, and. I sent a WhatsApp group to the guys and I said, no, I just spent six pounds on dice. Someone really needs to like... <laughs> just look after my life. Just look after my life. Just just <laughs> please, I need to start filtering these decisions through someone because it's only going to get worse. They were just D12s and D6s and I know out there. Um, yeah, but you, you get the whole danger of things like resin counters as well. I mean, you've got you've, you've got that. Kind of danger. Oh, are those like the um, Final Fantasy, the, not Final Fantasy, Fantasy Flight <laughs> little bags yes. that you can get. Yeah, you get bags for like everything. You know, the entire X Wing series of games, you can buy like resin counters. I was, um, I'm playing dun- a bit of dun- Dungeon Saga at the moment, and I've got resin counters for that. And it's just, it's just, it's just plastic versions of the normal cardboard counters. But it's so you nice. You can go into so many different levels with these things little collector's boxes and stuff yeah. it's just it's just a scary scary time so you bought your six pounds <laughs> and uh, and, <laughs> and so then, I was very aware that you know that, that I, I imposed this spending embargo on, on, on myself and then I listened to your podcast uh, and you started talking about oh, Dice Masters okay. And I was right. like, dice, so it's masters. Our fault, <laughs> and I thought, I like dice. And um, you didn't even talk about it that much. You just kind of mentioned that, you know, about you were playing dice masters or it, it was a fun game. And I just thought, hang on. Yeah, 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 it was. It was. The issue that we had is um, nobody else was really into playing it. All right, okay. And because nobody else was into playing it at the time, 
There's one other guy that was playing it, but he got the Dungeons and Dragons Dice Masters, which is very, very strange. But it's just full of dragons, yeah. basically, and it's about you, you know, fighting like that. But um, we sometimes people just they don't necessarily want to try a thing if they like it, or people compare it to, they go, oh, was it like compared to magic? Because I've got magic with me this evening. It's like, well, it's not. You know, it's it's, it's good fun. Yeah. Um, there's lots of sim- so, yeah, there's lots of similarities to magic. But yeah, there is. There is. But um, so how many? <laughs> how, you got the starter set, obviously. Yeah. But you mentioned. I mean, obviously, you were mentioning. Um, you mentioned that you'd got the DC. Set. Yeah, Was the world's right world's finest. It's called for some weird Ooh. reason. I don't know. Because they've released a whole pile of these. Because you get Age of Ultron, you get the original Marvel Dice Masters. Yeah. Um, they're going down kind of different. Doctor levels. Strange coming I mean, soon. Well, of course, because it's tying into the yeah. film. I'm surprised there's not a Star Wars one, but I think Fantasy Flight are doing their own version really? of a kind of a di- yes. Oh, I shouldn't Don't. have said that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit that out and then just go. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> it was just a dream. There was no Star Wars dice. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it out like that. So we'll cut that. Okay. Um, and now I don't need <laughs> any more <laughs> dice in my life. No, I've got enough. No, no, you don't. No, you've got plenty. But how many dice do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got the. Have you taken a buying them and then like kind of keeping them in the jacket pocket until nobody's about and then you can open them and then sneak them into your collection? Pretty much. Well, the boosters, yeah. Have you got? Yeah. Have you got? Have you got a proper box to? No, no, no. I don't. Not yet. I've got a. Um, I've kept. You're browsing though, aren't you? I know. I, I looked at those. I looked at those velvet <laughs> dice bags in Forbidden Planet the other day and was like, no, no. <laughs> Are you just using the paper ones that yes. came with the original set? Yeah. Or? Yeah. 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 Oh, I've been very, I've been very responsible, Richard. Like this is a new me, right. turning over a new leaf. Um, <laughs> no more, no more, no more. Just off, off the, off the cuff spend. <laughs> Paper bags are good enough. If they're good enough for my family, then they're good enough for me, kind of. If if I rip them, I'll just get some of those happy shopper ones from the. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, you could always take an easy jet flight and just <laughs> nick two of the, just go under the seat, the sides, but nick two, the, two of the sections. Just like dice masters scrawled on the side. Instead. Yeah, just write it in crayon. <laughs> Nobody's going to notice. And put like a little sign on it as well. It'll be absolutely fantastic. So just do that. So anyway, how many dice do you have? I don't know. I really don't know at this point. I've so the start. I can't even. What what does a starter deck come with? I've got like. The starter deck. I think it comes with about. Is it? I think there's a fair number in them. I think there's about six. Is it sixty? Yeah, I think. Maybe it's not that many. I think there's. About hang 60. on, I could probably tell you. So I. I I, I know because we don't want to put a number on it. I could put a number on it, and because um, I bought five of the Civil War, so that's ten. Okay, mm. and then Chris took a joke that I made about how if he comes to visit me in Manchester. He has to bring mm. Dice Master boosters as a payment. So he bought so five. Then, whoa, okay. That's another ten. And then I bought okay. another five <laughs> when I went to go and get a comic. But This, this is like some kind of um, <laughs> AA <meeting. laughs> and then, But the store clerk actually accidentally sold me six. 
You didn't go, no, I'm paying for this, so I'm taking this one. It's like finding a vodka miniature. I'm going to take this one anyway. Um, okay? I'm just taking this one. I've put it in my pocket. And then I bought and then I bought another two, I think. Ooh. No, at least another five on top of that. So at least another 30 or 40 dice I've added to the... So you're approaching 100. Yeah. That's pretty good going. And it's... <laughs> it's I don't know. what's What's a bad number? For dice, when do I know it's gone too far? I think it's. I think it, for dice masters, you know it's gone too far when you're searching for eBay for the rarer cards, and you look at what is essentially two dice and a card, or people just sell the cards by themselves, yeah. and you're looking at a, a piece of card, and you're seeing a number of say thirty-five pounds next to that card, and you're justifying it in your mm. head. See, I've never, I've never, I've been able to resist that with magic um i think the yes. most i've ever spent on a magic card is about six pounds which is good i would keep it at yeah that I, level. Think... I think any more then i think once you get over six and you're heading to seven and then you're easily justifying ten yeah because you're rounding up and and, and i think I th- it's seven to ten i, nothing. I actually think that it's a fact that you're relying on the dice that puts me off buying more because if it was just cards yeah then uh-huh. I'd probably be buying more boosters, but it's a fact that the cards are useless without without, without the dice. The dice. Yeah. So yeah. really, I'd much rather have... So at the moment, I've got a collection where um, I could happily pick and choose about eight characters, and maybe some of them have got two or three dice, but the majority have got one. But the mm. fact is that at the moment, I'm the only one who's collecting, so my opponent's only going to have that same sort of cho- choice so it's pretty even and 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 currently i've only every game of dice masters i've played i've been introducing it to someone else so we've always been playing the demo mode which is part of the terrible yeah. rule book that's supplied in the starter deck oh that rule book <laughs> oh whiz kids have a word with yourself it's awful i mean thank goodness for rodney smith that's all i'll say good Good old Rodney and his watch it played. Is that, is that his name? I think. Yeah. Oh, Rodney. Yeah. Rodney, we like you. Until he, until He's so cheery when he comes. Until up. I watched twenty minutes of him trying to explain scythe, and I thought, oh, that's uh... <laughs> the danger. The danger with Rodney Smith is in watch it played is it's not the video that you're watching that you're looking for the explanation. It's the next video that comes up, and you end up watching it and going. Wow, this looks really good. Yeah, where can I find? Where can I find? And I, I, and I should maybe get it because after watching this video, I certainly know how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the hurdle. Uh, and that is, you know, you're kind of you're just building yourself into a a circle. It's just like a snake eating its own tail. That's that's where you're going with that. To explain to people, because one of the things we do at We're Not Wizards is is kind of, we like to make things kind of, people are going to be dice masters, mm. what is that? Dice masters is essentially like, a, it's, it's almost like gaining resources in order to be able to fight your opponent um, and re- remo- reduce their health. Your opponents, everybody starts with 20 health and you also start with a certain number of dice. Now, Based on you rolling dice, it allows you to it gives you resources which allow you to buy cards and therefore the dice that come along with these cards. And then 
the and it's a self-perpetuating. The more the more dice you have, the more power you have, the more moves you can pull off, and you can essentially allows you to field kind of um, heroes. And in the cases of DC, that could be your Batman's, your Superman's, your you know your flashes of this world, and you know Marvel. It could be the Thor, the Spider Man's, and everything like that of this world. And your idea is that you field your heroes, and you go through a simple "I'm stronger than you" elimination, and you break through their line in the hope that you can hurt the other player, because the other player isn't like DC or Marvel or whatever character. The other player is essentially you, and you have twenty health points. And your various Marvel and DC heroes are there to stop other people from from hurting you, kind of knocking down your health points. It's pe- I know some people have come against it because they say, well, it's a lot yeah. of luck. I know some people that have, have, have peeled away the strategy like an onion and, and, and are absolutely deadly when it comes to playing it because they know exactly when to hold back. They know exactly when to get a character... If a character gets knocked out, they go into one place. If a character gets used up, then they go back into a bag. So they, they build up a little strategy. And the next thing you know, they've got like these little single the single yeah. pawns. The guys the that side only kicks, got one yeah. hit. And they're like they're laying they're laying six of them up against you and there's nothing you yeah. can do about it. Because you've got But that's but that's, walk, so. that's that's just sorry, oh. sorry to interrupt, but that's what I, I like hmm. with magic, you feel shortchanged from the first sort of two or three turns if you're not pulling if you're not mm. matching what the other person's pulling then it's mm. a very demoralizing kind of feeling like like um was it john gilmore yeah. he was talking yeah. about his magic experience and he just wasn't getting the cards he wanted yeah he was he was, he, he said that yeah his his story was he he was doing a yeah. blind draft and and he ended up pulling his rare was like land. A, 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 yeah. a foil land. <laughs> and the thing is, with magic, you very early on, you're picking one card up at a time, and if it's not what you need, then you're dead in the water. Whereas with Dice Masters, that luck can be... You're sort of the generator of that luck. So you're yeah. buying the dice, and you're putting those dice into essentially your deck, into your hand. But your strategy around which dice you're buying, so like um, action dice are slightly cheaper than character dice to buy, so you can increase your chances yeah. of what you're drawing by choosing how yeah. to spend the energy in the early rounds, which is why I think I... Yeah, you are relying on luck, but you're kind of the master of your own luck in that regards, depending on how you want to yeah, gamble. You, uh, yeah, how you spend your energy it could be simply that, you know, it's, it's a case of, oh, I'm a saving up for an Iron Man here, or am I going to be buying this power that allows me to have one extra yeah. hit when I do manage to break through the defences? And that can be the difference between you beating somebody by five life points and basically losing because they've got a pretty much a, a blockable guy that that can't can kind of go can going to go through. Um, it's fun. It's as I say, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. I think that one of the things I think that we had or we raised when we spoke about it so many episodes ago was the collectible yeah. nature of it. it was because it was blind packs that you were never ever a hundred percent sure that you know you could go out and you could spend seventy pounds on foil. Pack. I'm not saying you should. <laughs> Please don't. Um, 
Well, but you could go out and spend that type of money on it and you could end up hitting the jackpot and ending up with a whole load of rares and super rares and only a couple of normal cards. Or you could spend that type of money and just have like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man all the way through. So in that case, I think that kind of put a few people off because then you've got to think, well, how often are they putting out these rare yeah. cards then? You know, is it just encouraging me to kind of buy I think, more? But as a game... I was going to say, I think sorry. my my idea around that is kind of... Because I really like the game and I like the mechanics and I think that the people that I play it with really like it too. So what my idea about buying boosters and getting a sort of semi-collection going is it's going to get to a point where I probably make um, two or three or four collections of dice and cards and so use a bit of like my experience in magic and have like an aggro deck a really aggressive one a really defensive one so when when, when I'm playing with my friends I'm in a position to go right do you want to you choose which deck you want to play with and which collection of cards Um, so I'm kind of trying to by buying the boosters and sort of building collection that way, I'm trying to bypass the collection collective aspect of it in a way by kind of yeah, at the end of yeah. the day, I'll have a completed almost game. So it'll be, it will just, well, you'll be able, I mean, you'll be able to play it. The whole point of the game is you can buy the starter pack and you can have a really, yeah. really good time. It's not a case you have to go out and buy, you have to go out and buy, you know, so many boosters in order to be no 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 i mean it's not it's a it's a self-contained game like say netrunner you can play netrunner quite happily until the cows come home it's only if you want to maybe expand your strategy or you're maybe taking it a bit more seriously that you want to go out and buy the yeah definitely and and with uh, just a word of warning about the um the world's finest starter deck Mm -hmm. is that and uh dan another staying in podcast fellow felt very short change because it gives you this sort of it's the first time you played it it gives you a, a, a demo setup of what cards to use and what characters to pick yeah. and so i gave myself batman and catwoman and he and he was left with steel and crypto the super dog and he was like hang hang on one hang on one minute <laughs> i feel very short changed by this yeah, this isn't fair. No. Oh, it's okay. It's a first game. Yeah. I'll don't go easy on don't you. worry about Bat it. Batarang. Um, yeah. Batarang. But what's great about Dice Masters is because there is that element of luck and strategy. Like, it was a very, very even game. and um, Yeah. And it's just really good fun. Yes. And, you, and it's not a case that, I mean, once you learn to play it, um, it can be, you can have very, very kind of even matched kind of games. Well, what? basically, and it's it's, it's kind of it can be good fun with that. A little learning; it's very easy to pick up. Yes, it only, it retails for about twenty quid, and the booster packs, as far as I can see, are about like between ninety nine pence up to two pound. I think two pounds. You go really. Yeah. I yeah. I if you do a bit of shopping, I think you can get a starter set for about thirteen pounds. Oh, if you're if it's one of the later, I think the. Forbidden Planet were at least selling the Dungeons and Dragons ones for about thirteen pounds, and I picked up the World's Finest for about seventeen. That's pretty good. I don't think I've seen a booster over a quid yet. So, mm-hmm. well, that's good. Well, it depends, I guess, where you were yeah. going at the time. Yeah. But I guess we we were picking them up at the we'd got them at the very very beginning when it was just mm-hmm. Marvel, yeah, and it was nothing else, and they were a bit more 
bit more expensive there. So that's kind of obviously one of the main things you've been playing. You've been talking about magic. One of the things we talk about is obviously getting them off the shelf. Yes. So is there anything at the moment that you have been coveting a bit that you've been thinking, hmm, apart from obviously breaking into whiskey <laughs> and running away over the hills or like a trailer for um, boosters? Um, is there anything that you're, you've particularly seen that you'd like um, to play? Loads. Well, I can share with you my Amazon wish list if you, if you really want. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll put it in the show You're notes. brilliant. Well, if anyone wants to buy me anything, I'm, I'm very, you know, very welcome. But, anyway, but it's, when's, when's your birthday? Bur- what month's your birthday? It's in March. So you've got plenty of time you to save up. Said, you should have said September. Yes, I should have done. Ooh. Even though I have just gone on Amazon and Carcassonne has dropped to below £19. Really? So that's um, that's quite... I always thought it was it would go below twenty. So that's uh, tempting. Anyway, that's a str- that's a game that I've played on. That's a game that I've played in on mobile versions, but never played in real. Yeah, life. I've never I've never played it either. But it's kind of always held up as one of those, you know, sort of ten games to game. Yeah, ten yeah. games to play before you die. Yeah. kind of thing. So that's it's always on the list. So that's kind of one game I've coveted. Sort of other other things on there at the moment. Uh, um, Mysterium. Um, which is brilliant, which you have to play, even though Colin thinks I hate it. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> play it. It's, Colin, Colin, every time I mention Mysterium, even if I said, did you watch Columbo, there was a bit of a mystery. You hated that game. <laughs> even if I'm trying to say the word mystery. Yeah. Um, I missed the British Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> Mysterium's good fun. Uh, no, Anything I else? think... Um, Generally, when it comes to board games that I want to buy, it kind of because I don't um, go to like a regular board game evening, um, mm. or we don't really have a regular time that all my mates meet up and play. The games that I'm buying or the games that I'm sort of coveting kind of fit into what our moods are around that sort of time. So, at the, so at the moment, we're kind of our group are moving a lot more towards sort of rpg-esque kind of games so we played yes. we played dread at the at the weekend so that well i'll leave that because obviously you'll want to talk about that yeah but did it go well it it went really well yeah um Good. um just briefly i mean we talked about it on staying podcast you did um and the results of what happened are going to be on the latest podcast. So I won't ruin what happened, but no, 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 no. I think you know this is a time to say if <laughs> Dreads an RPG, Dreads a Jenga RPG. Yes, it's it's incredible because we've, I've, um, I've always wanted to do pen and paper RPG, and yeah. um, it's not that I don't find Dungeons and Dragons as a sort of. Um, as a framework off putting it's just the i guess it's just the time and if i play dungeon dragons i want to play it every night once a week um yeah i'd i'd kind of want that sort of you know next time on dungeons and dragons you know you know previously i'd want that kind of flow to the game um yeah, yeah. which is why dreads yeah. appealed to us because we don't we all live in different areas of the country we don't get together mm-hmm. that often so no dread except for the hill claim yes which we didn't do actually. Hi. You didn't do. Or will you ruin it now? Oh, sorry, you? that's a we're spoiler. Gonna to, sorry. We're gonna just. <laughs> it's all right. We'll put spoilers in the episode. Please be aware that this episode contains <laughs> mild spoilers that's about the... what staying in the staying in podcast has been up to. We'll put that in at the beginning. Yeah, we will. Do, yeah, make sure. Yeah. Um, make sure because I'm. I'm 
Peter sounds like there could be the wrath of Peter Willington. Sounds like it could be a horrific thing to be. Yeah, all that training he's been doing and um, uh, <laughs> trampolining. <laughs> well, you talk about trampoline. Oh, you've got so you're going to have so much fun on the next episode. I'm just, I'm just, I wasn't on the last episode, so this is a conversation oh, right, that okay. I was meant to be having. So I'm just, I was. Oh, right. you know. Anyway, so dread is uh, a brilliant um, sort of condensed. D&D experience because you're playing with Jenga which means that the mm-hmm. game's only going to last for as long as the tower lasts and yes. um, the construction of the story is very minimal as well so it's about a three act story and um, you um, unlike with Dungeons and Dragons where there's quite a lot of flexibility in the dice rolls and there's a bit of pushing and pulling that the DM can do to and to keep you alive or to kill you off when the tower falls in dread that's it you're dead or there's some finality to it so um as a game it was kind of we knew that we could sit down in an evening have a beginning middle and, and end and, and get it done and get it done um Good. so we've really as a group we're kind of we've gone from the kind of european games to the uh sort of I don't know what kind of games you'd you'd call them, but like the Jamaicas and um, the Pandemic, so it's kind of and the um, Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. Those kind of they're almost gate, almost semi gateway. Yeah, yeah. They're not entirely gateway because they're moving into starting to need some strategy. But it's something you could, you know, if you had kind of like-minded friends, you could put it. You could take out after the the after dinner and say. Shall we play this? It's quite yeah, simple. Yeah, so we um, so you can you can tell we're kind of still like new to this in a way, but more and more things like descent are getting sort of we're speaking about playing things like descent and mm. um uh, what else? And descent descent's no? a mini R- yeah. descent is a mini RPG. I yeah. mean it's it's miniature RPG and it takes it takes commitment and time. That's what it requires. Yeah. Especially for a campaign, good game, but this what is one of those games where you say next six weeks every Thursday the same really? house. Okay, that, yeah, it can do that. It's kind of yeah because it, you, you, it's um, yeah it starts off it's quite good to learn and it's really really good fun. But it like like a lot of these games it kind of needs a bit of commitment to get the kind of the best out of it. Mm. Um, we play. We mention catacombs. Well, that now that's on my list of a game yes, that I would. Be, it has to be. But it's list. so difficult to get a copy. It's it's. It will that will change in the next kind of four or five months because the new Kickstarter has been out, and um, that will be become an awful lot more easy. Really, because they're re they're reprinting. Oh, brilliant! Well, and if uh, there's a, I don't know. It might be the case. But you might be able to still go and do a late backing on Kickstarter. Okay. Okay. Shall I? Shall I? I'm typing away now. <laughs> typing, typing. Sorry, away. this is cat- the Foley. <laughs> Catacombs is Catacombs because Elsa Games. Because not they started. They started following us on Twitter. It was made up. <laughs> it was like that. Got a little notification. Elsa Games is following you. Are they? <laughs> Brilliant. So is it Catacombs and Castles? Is this... Um, yes, Catacombs and Castles, I think. Yeah. Sign up to be a late packer. Well, I'll, I'll, um, I'll have a look at that <laughs> later on. What have I done? <laughs> Such an enabler. See, this is, this, is, this is my mind. See, without 
me being able to filter this decision through someone. You're um I've just got a little <laughs> box in front of you that says by now. <laughs> I'm like Walter White. <laughs> oh my goodness, what have I done? Um oh. Yeah, Catacombs is one of those that I because we've we haven't actually got any um me and Chris um we kind of have a shared board game collection because he lives in Liverpool, I live in Manchester. So, if I fairly close, yeah, if yeah. I want to borrow something, I'll you know bring it. O- I'll ask him to bring it over, and I'll keep it, and vice yeah. versa. So, we never buy the same game twice, and we kind of buy stuff that we're both sort of. Oh, that you know that'd be a nice game to play. I'll buy this one, and then you can come over mm-hmm. and play it, and. Because of that reason, we went through a period of buying lots of two-player games um, and having lots of fun with that. Um, and I bought Ogre, the pocket edition, um, about four or five months still not, and still not played mm. it. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we do the podcast is because it forces us to, yeah. to play games. We say, right, we're going to play this game, and it's a game that's maybe been sitting on the shelf, either in you know at Collins or at mine. Or sometimes at, at Mr. Leo's house, because that's why we ended up playing Mysterium, because that was his, and also yeah. Whitechapel. And it is just like, it's just like, it is basically, we're using this as th- retail as therapy to help us get over <laughs> the, <laughs> the large numbers of board games that, 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 that have ended up in the, in the kind of the collection to make sure we play them. And sometimes we'll just pick random ones that we're not sure about, and sometimes it'll be games that we definitely kind of want to play. Yeah. The thing what we said, I think, about Catacombs was that you can play it in an evening and you can get all the way through it and it's really? dexterity so there's no dice and it's just really really good fun and I was always surprised that when it funded it didn't fund an awful lot more than what it did at the time but um, yeah um, Colin's got catacombs already and it's it's so good don't say that to me I'm putting you mate I've, I've not even, I'm not even going to wait till, the, till this is finished hang on one second <laughs> Just putting in my email. Here we um, go. Here we go. Subscribe to. Yeah. There we go. There we go. I'll be notified when I come back the campaign as a late backer. There we go. Boom. There you go. We'll see what Done. happens. Of course, I'll um, be too late, and then you'll be stuck, and then I'll be I'll be able to sleep in my bed at night knowing that I've not <laughs> taken you down a path that you shouldn't go. Uh, when we catch up in a year, and I'm homeless, and you know everything's gone, I'm <laughs> just, just I'm just my, turn up on my doorstep with a with a handful of. Um, Dice Masters saying, <laughs> I've been trading them in like John Candy and playing trains and automobiles like he did with the shower, with the shower curtain rings. Um, Telling, tricking teenagers into thinking that they're earrings and persuading people they were handy little doorsteps, doorstops if they put them in the hinge bed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, why don't you go home, Sam? And you'll be like, I don't have a home. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Um, I've, you, I mean... Speaking of Go. Kickstarter, do yeah. you do you back? Have you partaken? Because that's the kind of I guess that is when you know you're fully fledged. There's there's four stages of the board gamer. There okay. is the entry level board after dinner mint board gamer. Okay. And there is the taking it into the main course and getting into and then there's the fully fledged hardcore double sleeving everything gamer. And then there's the guys that go, actually, the games that exist aren't enough. I need to get involved with games that technically don't exist but do exist. <laughs> um, I've backed two projects. Okay. Um, 
And so the first one I backed was, and let me get the name of this right, because it's, it's a pretty strange name. It doesn't make grammatical sense, but I'm sure there's some reason behind it. It's called um, Election of US America Elections. So I think it's part of what will be a series. Okay. And it's a, a joint effort between Wonket and Auroc Digital. That, now I know that name. So Auroc, um, and full disclosure, Pete, who's on the podcast, is a producer yeah. at Auroc. Yeah. So as part of the Kickstarter, he put a call out to us and says, guys, you know, I'm making this game. If you want to back it, you know, it's $14 or $10, whatever it was. And to show support to Peter... He, um, I decided to back it for him, basically. Uh, so I have no idea what the game is like. Uh, I know it's a card game based uh-huh. around the US elections. I know you essentially take on a candidate. So you can be Clinton, Trump. You can even be Bernie Sanders. Oh, I think you, interesting. I think you can also be Cthulhu. Oh, I've seen... Yeah, I'm sure I looked at this and there was a... Um, there was a stretch goal, I think, to be Cthulhu. Or to be Cthulhu. One of, main, one of the main characters. Yeah. Um, um, gotta so... wonder if you would do if you would do any better. You gonna build a wall? No. I'm not <laughs> going to build, build a wall. I'm gonna yeah, curse I'll just you destroy all in them. blood. <laughs> There's um pandemic Cthulhu's coming out soon. I've heard of this. And mm. I, I I don't know. Yeah, there's part of me that says yes, and there's part of me that says, is it enough of a change in pandemic that somebody isn't going to just quarter back all the way through again? It's the now, same. It's the same issue, isn't it? That's why you've got to play Pandemic Legacy, and we'll come back to Kickstarter in a second yeah. because we, along the sort of you know, we're moving into more of more sort of RPG element gameplay. Yeah. We got me and Chris went halves on a copy of Pandemic Legacy Season One. Yeah. And my god, that's such a good game. Like because it's obviously a legacy game yeah. is along with Risk Legacy. The idea is that the game evolves and adapts to not only the way you play, but um how bad you what, play or how well Yeah, you or how play, bad you play or yeah. how good you play or what's happening and it just it evolves not only organically but also programmed wise so there's stuff that definitely happens to everyone and you know um, and there's stuff that happens um organically or compared to you know the mistakes that you're making or the great things that you're doing and we we absolutely love it i mean we've we're only 2 months into what is a, essentially a 12 month campaign but you get this massive box and half and not even half like 3 quarters of the box is undercover like yeah. you you yeah. have no idea what's and to someone like me that's you know what's in the box <laughs> going back to seven it's a very circular conversation that we're, you weren't uh, just like a kind of a it wasn't like a kind of when you were younger were you opening up your chocolate advent calendar kind of like a day ahead is that what you did <laughs> I don't know because like when I was younger we weren't allowed chocolate which is chocolate advent calendars we had very strict uh, Christian you'll get, a, you'll get a picture of a an apostle and a star, and that'll no, be I it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know what you're uh, complaining about. I know you got a sheep. Your brother, <laughs> your brother, he got he got the hill with a stable on it. 
Can you be, yeah, that you was, be grateful for that? What did you get? We, it's the twentieth. It's the twentieth. I'm getting the star, Dad. <laughs> That's good. Johnny down the road, he's got a Mars bar one. He gets a Mars bar one, but you get Kinder egg ones. Can you? Mean, yeah, you probably oh my can. Word. But you get Star Wars Lego ones, don't you? My God! Like now, I get chocolate you can ones. Get Star Wars Lego ones. Yeah. Two, year, two years ago. Calendar. Two years ago, me and my girlfriend had four chocolate advent calendars, and <laughs> this I, is rebelling. <laughs> I think that's just like part of me, like my subconscious going, well, now I'm going to eat all the Absolutely. chocolate. Thanks, Mum. Here you go, Mum. Mum, look what I'm doing. I'm just opening up the advent calendar. <laughs> look, there goes day 17. I know it's like the 12th, but the 17th. Here we go. Oh, look, there's the 5th. Oh, I'm not even opening them up in order. Is there any pictures of anybody? Yes, look, there's a Sean the Sheep behind that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the next great. one is Optimus Prime with a beard. But you <laughs> But you're not allowed to do any of that in Pandemic. So it's like being a child again, Pandemic Legacy. Is there any um, chocolate in Pandemic Legacy? I don't know. Then it could I, be. It could, it could be, be a chocolate box. That'd be brilliant. If you don't know. Just like, off. you lost this round, so have a snack. Um, the worst one would be, this is for people with nut allergies and you open it up and it's a Snickers. Here's <laughs> a real that, Pandemic. That would be the ultimate Pandemic, wouldn't it? You open it up, you go, can't touch that. <laughs> oh, these, quick, look. Mark swelled up like a balloon. Where's his pen? Where's his pen? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Um, Pandemic Legacy is kind of f- for us anyway. It's because it changes and evolves, and you're kind of like writing things on pieces of paper, and mm. you're kind of making marks on cards, and you know you ne- you'd like turn over at each time every month starts. Because the idea is you play it over twelve months. If you mm. win, you move on to the next month. If you lose. You stay on that month and it's like a keep, like a rewind feature. Yeah. yeah. But if you lose for a second time, you move automatically on to the next month. But your your skills and things like that become either very worse or become yeah. you're not as good. You can now kinda on the losing side. And I think yeah, um Yeah. And I think sorry. um sorry. And I think one of the things that's programmed into the actual sort of script or code, I guess, of the game from the start is that immediately when you begin one of the diseases becomes incurable so within so immediately you're not playing pandemic anymore you're playing a different game and you get introduced to new mechanics because you can't treat it you can't remove cubes off the board so Mm. therefore you're having to like quarantine areas now so you get a whole new action you get a whole new set of mechanics you open a box there's whole new tokens in there You've got a sticker that you open up and you put into your rule book. Into your rule book, so you've got a whole new rule there to to follow. Like it's just because um, yeah, because we had Gary Butterfield on a couple of episodes ago, and he he talked about it and talked very highly. I've not had anyone that said it's I don't like it. I've also had not any not had anyone that says, "Oh, I'm messing up a board game here. This is a terrible thing to mm. happen." So, but I like I like that like, freedom that you can that you can sort of desecrate something that has been precious. Can you imagine, can you imagine going over to somebody's magic deck and saying, "We're, we're playing Magic Legacy now." <laughs> pull out, pull out a marker cards. pen. Right, that rule doesn't count. No, don't like him. No, sorry, don't he's got to like go. Him. No, he's got five hundred mana. but it's it's Um, with 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 um pandemic legacy i don't want to go over old ground that 
you may have covered in a no, previous no, no, show. No, 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 you're not at all. But, you're not at all but because there's there's wonderful and again from where I've come from, like playing video games a lot as a kid, there's a lot of that which comes in to it. So when you introduce new characters, you can you've got a little sticker book of relationships. So you can yes. assign what happens when those two characters say meet in a certain location and the relationship between them two and you can also characters can also descend into madness and break down if they witness too many too many horrors and i like those lasting sort of video game effects from it from it and i think that you spoke about it on one of your podcasts of how and i think this kind of uh hit a button in me the reason why i'm like really into board games now is the fact that video games are kind of becoming more of a, where they were a, a group experience and during university and before then I was spending Super Mario Kart. Yeah, all my nights spending Super Mario Kart uh, Double Dash, the best of the bunch, um, and Super Smash Brothers and um, GoldenEye. And it was, video games was that big sort of communal experience and you were sharing this yeah. one singular th- thing. And now it's getting yeah. more and more individual. And if I want to play with, like the easiest way for me to play with Chris, who lives half hour down the road from me, is to go online. I'll sit on my own in his house. He sits on his own in, in his house and we play yeah. Rainbow Six Siege or something like that. And I'm playing yeah. it and I think, you know, this is ridiculous. And so board games have kind of brought that local couch co-op thing um, back that video games have kind of put by the wayside. Well, there's, I mean, there's people that come to the club that... They'll 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 play they'll play a game for an hour. They'll have a cu- couple of games of magic, and then they spend the rest of the time just catching up with everybody else. Yeah. You know, how's your week been and stuff like that. You don't kind you kind of get that if you're regularly playing and you have like a lobby on PlayStation or something like that, and you can jump into the party chat. But you kind of don't get that. I, I, you just it's just different. Which I, and I keep saying that you know this is why I'm kind of getting much more into the board game space than the video game space um, just the communities and stuff like that seem to be very very yeah very, very well um, welcome, which is good um not to keep on harping on about him but chris and i recently finished playing uh lara croft in the temple of osiris which is a terrible oh, terrible yeah. isometric shooter on playstation 4 and so we finished it and we're kind of like right what's next and we can't find anything you know, hardly anything, unless it's Destiny or um, or Resident Evil Six or um, Overwatch or Overwatch or something. Or something. Like we can't find anything that gives us a a two player campaign or you know um, a certain a specific two player experience. Like we've got to go where the market goes. Whereas with board yeah. games, if it's just me and him, we can go right. We can play. Lost Cities or The Duke or Netrunner or Magic or Dice Masters and it's kind of mm-hmm. like what mood are we in we'll pick and choose whereas with games now it's kind of well even if I'm not in the mood for a survival horror trudging around a zombie game it's the only one we got so so we might as well play it yeah it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sad sad case so you mentioned obviously um you mentioned obviously the election, presidential election oh, yes. of the election, election, election. We're getting very sidetracked, um, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, it's not like we have a format. I actually appreciate the fact that you, unlike everybody else that's guested on here, the show notes are relatively clean. 
Um, normally they're filled with all different types of words, which I can't. Uh, some of them I have to look up. Oh, I didn't know I had so to actually appreciate. fill that in. No, you didn't. All right, okay. Fine. Oh. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it just gives us a large structure. But I've had some people on here that have just filled it with filth. <laughs> um, well, if you, if you listen to the staying in part, then you then it's you know it's kind of just you know we we just chat <laughs> and that's there's a loose structure somewhere but other than that it's no it's, it's a good it's a good it's a good so the so the other thing i backed was yeah. um i did used to go to when i actually lived in the center of manchester i did actually used to go to something called tabletop manchester which is run mm-hmm. by a guy called mike rose from tiny build games Oh yeah, and, the name rings a bell. Yeah, and um, that's every Monday night, and <coughs> we kind of went there, and it's it's kind of a weird experience when you've been go- when you go to, a, and I don't know what it's like for you because do you run a club or? No, I go to the I attend the local the club which is called Dwarf. Yeah, um, and I don't run it, um, but. I've I've been there for about two. I've been going for about two years now. Now I could check the time and yeah. I don't know, now. I don't know what your perspective on this is because obviously I've not even been playing board games for two years. So we kind of rocked up to this board game club and I had like you know Munchkin and smashed up in my bag like all enthusiastically like this is going to be great. And you step in and everyone's playing X Wing or um, what's the other one? What's the really long sort of space station one? Um, well, there's Armada and yes. there's like things like Rex, and there's also yeah. Everyone was kind of, or they were doing like D and D stuff, or they're playing like Blood Rage, and we were kind of like, I mean, like, oh, all right, okay. So where do we, you know, where do we fit in to all this? So we just kind of like find a table to ourselves and just play on our own, and and that was fine because it was a space for us to play. And, you know, have a few beers and have a few laugh and speak to a few people around it. But because we had... You might as well go into the Zephyr block. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know how it is from your perspective that that we found it I'm, quite hard to, like, penetrate that. I'm quite shallow and self-centred and loud and obnoxious. <laughs> so I also, I also walked in with a couple of board games and went, all right, people... Guess what? Your lives have just improved. I've arrived, <laughs> and then just threw the board games on the table, and then that was it. And then I just like you know said, "What's your name?" And he went, "Colin." And I went, "Do you want to play a board game with me?" He says, "Do I have a choice?" I went, "Not really, good friend. Sit down." Um, I think it was different in the no. I mean, it was different in the club that I went to because I just told, I turned up and there was like a kind of little, little chit chat. And I did have a game, a couple of games with me, and I said, does somebody want to play? And and, and it kind of worked mm. out like that. I think it, yeah, I mean, but they've always been quite welcoming um, whenever there's been new people. I'm, I'm not saying that it wasn't, it wasn't welcoming, because the guys, the guys are really great, and mm-hmm. I actually ended up um, doing some playtesting there for, for a friend of mine who works with um, mm. Osprey Games. And, um, All right, yeah. and they, were, they were great. Because I was able to go, like, go on the Facebook page and say, I've got this game I need to play test. They want to see how far it stretches mm-hmm. over six or seven players. You know, is anyone up for this? And everyone was, just sort of jumped on me and was kind of like, you know, this, this is brilliant. And we sat down and then after we played that, we played, you know, another game and another game. And 
and it was it was just the fact that it's just little things like we turned up and this kind of shows you how sort of um, anal I am like we turned up and socially awkward we turned up like this starts at 7 o'clock so we'll get there for 7 o'clock mm. and we went up the stairs mm-hmm. ironically it was in a place called The Wharf which sounds like The Wharf but <laughs> I'll let um, you have that one because if you move the H, it's there. <laughs> you're fine. And uh, um, like people had already started playing, like they were already like halfway through um, a game of Imperium or mm. um, so, and so it was I kind of like think... there was there was already like a rhythm to it. There was a there was a pattern to how the people who'd been going for a while acted almost. I, I, I don't think know. what it is is that for some games it can be. It can be incredibly difficult to pin people down to get a game yeah. of a certain time because it's a hobby. I mean, we were playing... Um, I mean, this happened to us recently. We were playing Time Stories, and then I went away for a week, and then the guy that was running it went away for a week, and then somebody else couldn't make it another week, so we ended up kind of not being able to play it for three, almost four weeks. And he kind of lost the momentum in there. So sometimes when you're running a campaign, you're just kind of running the, I guess you're kind of running the campaign. Yeah. So I don't think people are kind of going, oh, I'm not kind of interested. I think what's happened is, is they have then they have just so far spent the entire week on Facebook Messenger, on Skype, texting and emailing people saying, right, I need uh, I need four this week to play Rex. Who's turning up then? Or like I mean, Colin experienced this with um, with Frostgrave that they were looking for a lot more people to play Frostgrave, which is like a skirmish game which we talked about, and there wasn't that many people that were interested. And because of that, and because of organising stuff, it eventually kind of faded into the background. So sometimes it can be can be like you know like that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I gu- I guess it was kind of for us. It was kind of like something new that we were that we were excited in at the time and you know you walk into a room and everyone's already like invested in it a lot more than you are yeah. it's i think i think it's quite easy to sort of feel a little bit out of place or with it i don't, I don't know um yeah. but anyway it was it was at this um um event uh sort of this board game club and we we were getting along and we were um sort of playing i think king of tokyo or something like that yeah. And this guy came over to us and was just like, I'm designing this game. Um, would you like to um, playtest it for us? And we were like, yeah, brilliant. And it was um, Tabletop Assassins. No, right. temp, work, temp Worker Assassins. Temp Worker Assassins. That's um, Dave Newton. Yes. Um, there <laughs> so we go. You met, you met Dave Newton. I yeah, met I, the um, Dave Newton, yeah. Yeah, we had um, we spoke about Temp Worker Assassins a couple of the last yeah, did, time yeah. I think me and me and Colin did an episode together because mm-hmm. I, I spoke to Dave and Dave I said to Dave because me and Dave had a quick conversation there's a tabletop Kickstarter group on Facebook and I sometimes <laughs> that's something I don't need to know about you don't need to know about that <laughs> but I went in there and just said oh well, listen to me do a podcast you know if um, and I'm interested obviously in helping the UK Kickstarter scenes which is why a lot of the games that we've spoken about recently on episodes have been, you know, some of them have been kind of UK based, um, because we like to kind of like shout shout out where we can because the American market seems to be so big and mm-hmm. they seem to they seem to really be well. I mean, if you're American and you only have to you can reach out quite easily to millions and millions of people 
just within a couple of hundred miles of where you're based, you know. Um, whereas, obviously, in the UK, you're kind of much more kind of limited. So yeah, me and Dave, Dave had a had a quick chat, and uh, and and we we kind of talked about his um, the game there. So was it good fun? Yeah, it was it was great fun, and we like we were playing a very very basic version of it, mm-hmm. but. Even then, it was still mechanically, it was sound and interesting and um, had a lot of depth and detail to it. So mm. we kind of like put our names and emails on a bit of paper and forgot about it. And then it was a few uh, months ago that I suddenly got this email that Temp Worker Assassins was finally going on Kickstarter. So <laughs> okay. I kind of I kind of thought, well, I've already you know, played it, and I you know, know it's... Getting, a, you know what you're know, getting into, isn't it? Yeah, so it was, it was quite easy for me then to, to, to back it. And I think that's the only reason that I've backed stuff so far. It's stuff that I've either engaged with previously uh-huh. or I know quite a lot about because I did... My mouse hovered over a third thing. Right. Uh, recently, um, I don't know if you've ever played um, Burgle Brothers. I've heard, I've heard of it. Yeah. By yeah. T- I always want to call him Tim Flowers, but he's not an ex Leicester City goalkeeper. He's <laughs> Tim Flowers, I think his name. Is. Um, but he he's kind of the, like the one man uh, board game creator and designer, and he created this this great game called Burgle Brothers, and mm. um, it was on Kickstarter. And Chris got it, and it's and it's wonderful. It comes in this um, this cuboid box, this tiny cuboid box. It looks like a skyscraper, and yes. you open it up, and it kind of unfolds and unravels to become this this heist movie esque board game across three different floors. And um, we both really enjoy it. Like it's a even it's a one player, one to four player cooperative um, robbery simulator. And he had a new game on Kickstarter called Fugitive. All right. And um, I sort of, you know, I like his games and I thought about it, but there was just, it was a mixture of, I can't really get a handle on how this game plays. And I'm just not in the mood for that kind of game at the moment. Like that, it was a a hidden movement, two player uh, detective game. And, it part so it was partly that kind of I kind of want to get hands on with something like this. Yeah, and you've got to experience it. It's, it's, there's difference if you've got a lot of the Kickstarters have quite a few videos nowadays. Mm. If if a, if a car campaign doesn't have at least one or two videos on it um, with a with an explanation of how it plays, I think it kind of puts puts people off. Hidden movement games, um, letters, well, Whitechapel. If you're looking into something like that, okay. So that's a really good game that me and me and Colin played alongside Mr. Leo and uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you get a feeling at the moment there seems to be a lot of like miniature. The big companies mm. there seem to be a lot of miniature games, and just wondering where the kind of the Kickstarter's kind of kind of going. But you know. That's why I'm kind of interested in when something like Temp Worker Assassins kind of pops up, and I'm genuinely thinking, well, this actually looks different. The artwork on it's really, really nice. And yeah, yeah. I'm a bit arty myself, so that's kind of what attracted me to kind of get in contact with Dave and find out a little bit more about the the game. The miniatures thing um, is the miniatures thing is the next worrying. That's that's the thing. Like at the back of 
all of our minds is. So after we've done RPGs, like the next logical step is surely going and doing miniature stuff. Like Pete mm-hmm. is already wrestling with getting X-wing. Um, X-wing is good, but you're better with Armada. Okay. Just quite simply because X-wing, the base set, you'll pick it up for you probably pick it up for about twenty five thirty quid, and you'll get two Tie Fighters and an X-wing, and I. Interestingly, I think I meant well. Interestingly, I went to when I went to see my in-laws recently. I had a, a a kind of a copy of X-wing for the Force Awakens edition. I took that over, gave it to my nephew. We played it for the first time. He played as he technically played a board game for the first time. He absolutely loved it, but it is only three ships. So what do you, what do you get in Armada then? Do you get a you get a lot more. You get a lot more. You get a couple of ca- you get quite a few capital ships. You get a couple of little squadrons and stuff like that. So you, I think the replayability is a little bit um, longer. And I think what would happen with X Wing is that you would you get X Wing and then you would end up getting a couple more X Wings. Then you'd want a Tie Fighter and then you would want an A Wing. Then you'd want a B Wing. Yeah. And then you would want the plethora of different kind of ships that Fantasy Flight have introduced. Whereas what I found with Armada is you can quite comfortably get away with a base set and maybe adding on one more expansion. And the way it's dropped in price at the moment, you can probably pick the whole thing up for about £55, £60. Mm. So it's more expensive, but how, I kind of... How much about... Because part of our approach to it is that neither of us, or me included, like we're not that... M- well versed or that interested in the Star Wars universe. So how much does the law sort of imprint no, it itself? Not at all. No, not at all. So you... it's a, it's a, it is based around um, it's based around an, an, an old um, well, Armada is quite new in terms of its mechanics, but it's kind of they all have their foundation in a World War Two flying game called Wings of War. That's where the X-wing okay. kind of system comes from. So you don't need to know anything. I mean, you'll probably ooh and ah a little bit around the ships if you know about the Star Wars kind of canon in the universe and stuff like that. But in all fairness, um, X-Wing itself has gone to the point of going to the expanded universe now and, and bringing in ships from places where you don't even you wouldn't even recognise. Whereas Armada seems to have stuck with the... It is basically like playing the big battle scene in Return of the Jedi. I mean that is what it's like, mm. and it can be. It's, it's it's good fun, but you don't need to have. Yeah, you don't need to have massive amounts of information about it. It's it's quite ta- tactical, um, strategic, and it's um, it's kind of good fun. But um, there's always the temptation with all these things to go out and buy more. I think, but um, yeah, Armada's good. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. Adds so, to wish list. And what we'll do is we'll make sure that your wish list is in the show notes. Now, the la- normally we do finish up with shout outs, so I'm not going to make you sit here and listen while I go through kind of a big list of people that oh, I don't mind. You should consider. No, no, I'm not. I don't want to do that with, when we do when we have a guest of the show. <laughs> um, we, we make sure we put the good doilies down and there's custard creams. Or chocolate-covered hobnobs that are gluten-free, which is always good. Even better. Um, obviously, we've mentioned staying in a couple of times. Um, 
it is essentially it is kind of a group of guys getting together and just chatting about stuff that they like um, it's yourself um, there's Chris there's Peter that rocks up Dan, Dan sometimes Dan. Alex joins us and yes. there's Tom slash Percival he's got two names it's quite confusing um, <laughs> so there's the sort of a cast of characters would you put it that way like a um, I think it's one of these pod. I think I'm I'm a fan, which is one of the reasons that I kind of got in contact with you guys to say, you know, could somebody come on and have a chat with us? Because I'm a, kind of a fan, and I think it's one of these podcasts that's worthwhile going back to the first couple of episodes because it's almost like you get to know people's individual characters. Thanks. Not that you won't have fun <laughs> kind of jumping in just now, but it is almost like you, you know, the, the stuff that you talk about is it changes every week. Yeah. So it's quite nice to hear you talking about the. The kind of what's happening with the you know the comics the comic calendar, um, <laughs> you know it's quite <laughs> you know when you're talking about crisps when you're talking about um, going around and seeing people's mums and you know the the films that you've seen and the games that you've played because you do drop in obviously board games and stuff like that as yeah well, but, yeah um, yeah I mean where can if people are interested in finding out about or checking out staying in where can they find you um we do have a website but it's main but um it's that's kind of our like uh, podcast generator we've got a podbean site mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but kind of the best place to find us is just on twitter probably so at staying in pod um mm -hmm. and from there you can easily easily find out our own individual twitter accounts and from there, you'll be the first to know um, when the next show is coming out, um, what we're speaking about, and um, what's going on, really. Um, so, at Staying In Pod. And if people are wanting to say hello to you, where can oh, they find you? Um, at Mr. If you want. Go on. Yeah, of course they can. Um, at Mr. Sam Turner, which is go. um, very good. It's, you know, I was lucky to get that one. Before any other, any of the other Sams, um, managed to get it before you. There's probably a Sam Turner out there that's cursing this, going, "Oh, so it's you that got my name?" Yeah, kind of thing. And I have to call myself Sam Turner zero one. Or there you go, exactly. <laughs> Sam Turner, Sam Turner, Sparkly Blue sixteen ninety nine. Thanks Twitter for <laughs> thanks for suggesting that Twitter. Thanks a lot. <laughs> um, for us, as normal, anything that you search, kind of, we are not wizards. We are we are not wizards on Facebook. We are we are not wizards on Twitter. We are we are not wizards on Instagram. We are on Stitcher. We are on Acast. We are on iTunes, but we never remember what the link is. And if you want to email us, though nobody does except people offering us SEO services mm -hmm. from the subcontinent, then you can get us on either magic at wearenotwizards.com or .code co.uk um, this has been a pleasure to have thank you, you. it's been a pleasure to be on it's been good it's been very very good fun and uh, yes and uh, say hello to everybody else I will do. Them from me. and if and if and if the spoilers didn't put you off too much the next podcast is out on iTunes on the first of the month there you go so there you go, check it out. It is, I do enjoy it. It's fun. It's 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 not forcing opinions in your face. 
kind of thing. No, we're I all find is very good. We all come we're from very different backgrounds. Like um, yeah. Dan openly admits that he's not really very much for gamer, so he kind of sits back on the fence where we geek about magic and uh, <laughs> dice masters and stuff. But yeah. um, strangely, he was the one who DM'd our game of dread and was absolutely excellent. Like he's. he's just brilliant. Oh, I see. It's you with your dice masters, and it's him with his DM. He'll be wanting a pointy hat. Yeah, he will be. Um, I've got to DM the next one, so that's. Well, that'll be good fun. We'll need to keep us informed of, of how, that, oh, we'll how do. that goes. That's fantastic. And for everybody else that's out there, just remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Sam? I'm very tempted to do my bad Gandalf impression, but no, we're not. Is it secret? Is it safe? No, we're not wizards, you hobbits. We're, we're definitely not wizards. Get out of here. <laughs> fool of a took. You fool, fool of a took. Um, we just ruined the whole, the whole show. We're going to have to yeah. change the name now. <laughs> so it's a bye from me, and it's a bye from the fab, fantastic Mr. Sam Turner. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.